This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. just a little sick yesterday when he climbed in that race car. He was really sick. Can he get to the bumper of Brad Keselowski? Three car lengths back. Now it's two car lengths. Bottom of the racetrack. Keselowski stands back up on the throttle. He'll race him to the strike. Brad Keselowski with Martin Truex Jr. putting on a charge, but it will be Brad Keselowski claiming the victory. Oh, job, Brad. Way to hang in there today. I'm proud of you, man. It's a great run. Welcome to NASCAR America. I'm Steve Letard here in the Charlotte studio with my man Jeff Burton and Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett. Guys, one of the most anticipated downforce races in recent history. Everybody wanted to talk about the rules, but I think when the weekend was over, it wasn't the rules. Perhaps it was the performance hmm. by a sick, flu-stricken Brad Kozlowski, a three-and-a-half-hour grueling 500-mile race that he finds a way, even under the weather, to get to victory lane. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things to me that, that really stand out here. Watching competitors do extraordinary things when they're not feeling 100%. And that's exactly what Brad Keselowski did. You can think back to Ricky Rudd uh, at Daytona after a crash uh, in the clash and literally taping his eyes open uh, so he could, could drive in the 500 but, but, or in the, the qualifying race. So, so many things happen. But this is a tough, tough racetrack. It can't get across enough. I was trying to explain to some friends. They were like, well, you know, it's 500 miles. I said, but this is one of the hardest tracks that you race on. And Brad Kozlowski did, went out there and did the job and had to make it all happen uh, when he was probably feeling his worst and most tired at the very end. Yeah, I, you know, there's so much talk about the rules and how uh, the rules were going to make the race or not make the race. Let me tell you what makes the race and not makes the race. That's the competitors. Yep. And I don't care what the rule package is. It's always going to be like that. People are going to find a way to rise to the top or make mistakes and get themselves to the back. And that's the same race we saw on Sunday. That's what makes racing fun to be part of. That's what makes it fun to watch is that it's the human element. And the best teams and the best drivers are always going to come out on top. Brad caught a few lucky breaks along the way, but however, when it came time to answer the call, he answered and got the win. Well, because Atlanta, I always had in my notes, is a mental racetrack. I know that sounds crazy because it is physically demanding, but I see drivers, even my own over the years, make more mental mistakes. I think because of that, right, try doing math while you're running on a treadmill. It's very difficult, a lot different than sitting at this desk. And I saw that from the drivers, right, as they become physically fatigued, then speeding under yellow, missing pit road, what I consider mental mistakes, yet in the end, Brad's team out-executed everyone. I'm, I'm not sure they had the best car all day long, but they out-executed, and that was it. They put themselves in position. They did get some lucky breaks, but he executed behind the wheel. But that last restart, Jeff, I really think we need to go back and re-watch that last restart because I think we all forgot 
that he did not start on the front row. He's back here in <laughs> row four. Well, there he is. You see him. He's in row four, and he's got to make something happen. I mean, he knows the two leaders are out front. They're going to get away from him. So here he is making it three wide, getting into turn one. Then he's you know, out on the outside again, making it three wide. And here he is in position for what would be in third place. And he wasn't long from that. He was all the way back in seventh. Yeah, one and a half miles, and he's passed all four cars that were a lap down, put him right on the rear bumper of Kurt Busch and his teammate Joey Logano. That was a huge moment in the race. Yeah, and I think Brad, because of where he ran most of the day, understood if he didn't make this happen right now, if he stayed on the bottom, which a lot of people were comfortable in doing, uh, going the short way around on these restarts with fresh tires. If he didn't make it happen, he was going to get trapped back there knowing the car didn't drive good enough and how difficult it was going to be. Even though those were lap cars, it was going to take time and effort in using up his car. And look at the orange and black car of Martin Truex Jr., yeah. who eventually finished second. Mm -hmm. Look where he is right now. Look how far back in the pack he is. Look how far Brad has separated himself. There he is behind four lap cars that he's got to go through. Brad got by him in a lap and a half, and and uh, he is still not, Truex is still not through him. Well, I th I'm glad you brought Truex because this is the restart, but when we fast forward to the closing laps, I thought this was clean sailing for Brad Kozlowski, right? He was yeah. gone. No one, to, no one to even come in the picture. And next thing I know, here you go. A couple laps to go. This is the white flag lap. Martin Truex Jr., is what do we call him Pac-Man he has gobbled up the lead in a couple laps and I thought the 19 car had it luckily or fortunately for Brad Kozlowski he put a couple great laps together but it really was the restart right I mean Truex got too far behind early and then lap traffic yeah that's right and and, and Brad I, I think Brad was struggling hard right here yeah he was in he was in bad condition he was his tires were done that one thing about taking off like that is it kills your tires Right, he jumped to yeah. the outside, but he did what he had to do. And and no question, Martin Truex Jr. had the best car right there. He just ran out of time. But I think you I don't I, you gotta credit Brad for finding a way to get through those lap cars and get to the front as quickly as he did. Yeah, and the other thing that he did, he played a little game with him here too. And this is Brad always thinking about what to do, because Truex had run him down, and all of a sudden Brad running one line, all of a sudden he goes the other way and gets a little bit of separation there with about a lap and a half to go. And I think that made a big difference. And then on the last lap, going into turn one, Truex really didn't know. He had to kind of stay the middle, not knowing which way Brad was going to go because he needed to go the other direction. So credit Brad for really being on top of it. And, and, and from, a, from the driver's seat, right? When you, drive in, when you go into turn one, when you're at the start-finish line, you're thinking about, here's where I want to run. Right, And when the guy in front of you, you're doing that knowing what the guy in front of you is going to do. When he changes it, you don't – if he goes to the top and you run the, and you try to run the bottom, it's not the same bottom That's as right. it was if that was your plan because you have to make that decision like that and you tend to overdrive the corner, you tend to miss your mark. So that surprise move by Brad, it's a lot easier to – a lot harder to answer that response than people realize. It doesn't – it's not easy to change your mind and get yourself where you need to be as quickly as he did. And as you said, Martin was in the, in the middle. That's never not the place to be in Atlanta. <laughs> right, right. You want the bottom or the top. Yeah. And that had a lot to do with Brad's move. Yeah, it's always fascinated me that just not driving a race car, playing offense and defense and a chess game. They know, these drivers know what they're doing, whether they're trying to make their car the best possible or perhaps hurting the car behind. But you mentioned line sensitive and the bottom or the top. We had a little chance we heard from Martin Trex Jr. And he was upset specifically with the 17 and how he treated him in traffic in the closing laps. Five did a 19. 9.9 to go. 17, man. He's got a. Super five did a 19. He's starting to reel the two in right here. So be smart. 
frustrated you know lap cars they just they have no respect for the leaders running you're running for the win um it's completely it's completely uncalled for ridiculous um it's a shame you know we we lined up on that last restart behind all those guys that were lapped down and i know they were racing for lucky dog which is all good but once they got strung out the 17 had a straightaway on all of me and he would he just wouldn't let me by he just kept hugging the bottom hugging the bottom hugging the bottom and knew that's where i needed to run i kept telling you know my spotter kept telling his we, we need the bottom and you know these cars are so they punched such a big hole and it's so bad and dirty air that he just completely killed us for you know 25 30 laps and uh to the point where my front tires were gone once i finally got by him and hell i still run down the two and two laps from half straightaway so we clearly uh had the best car and we're in position to win you know it's just uh guys guys a lap down have to have a little bit more respect than that so i know you two drivers are going to have an opinion on this so i'm going to go first though that is a crew chief I obviously can't control where my driver runs, but I would be on the radio. I'd have been Cole Pern yelling at the spotter, get us some help because it's all I could have done, right? I can't drive a car for you. I'm trying to work traffic. But what's the etiquette? Is the 17 in the right? Is the 78 in the right? Where do you see this? So I, so listen, I, I we talked about the rules when this show started, right? And I think all the teams and drivers are still learning what these rules are. And with the different rules, the etiquette will change. Like when Martin Truex Jr. is 10 car lengths behind a guy, is he far enough on up on the 17 to ask the 17 to move? Like that's something that that is going to be difficult. They'll start figuring that out. I, I I agree with what Martin was saying. Once once Stenhouse cleared himself from the guys he was racing for the for the the wave around, being the first car one lap down, as the guy running second, I would have appreciated a break. I would have appreciated, hey, you know, come on, man, let me race for this win. It's not going to hurt you to move out of your way. I I understand where he's coming from. At the same time. I understand where Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and his team are. They're trying to build that program. They're trying to get Roush Fenway racing back to where we all think it should be, and he's paid to drive his car as hard as he can every single lap. I see both sides of it, uh, and and I I have I have uh, you know I have a little bit of feelings about both both ways. So depending on which situation I was in, I could go either way. And, and let me be clear: the 78 is really the 19. I Sorry, really wish they would have changed paint schemes because I'm going <laughs> to have it the 78 probably till at least oh, May. Yeah, but sure. it's the 19. Call it whatever you wish. Where do you stand on it? You know, here's the thing is you, you don't have many friends out there. You're all competitors racing against each other. Do you appreciate a break every once in a while? I think so. I understand Martin asking for that to happen. But here's the thing. You can ask that. If it happens, that's good. But don't get on TV and talk about that that's the reason that you lost the race. Brad Keselowski went and made his moves early on and went. Same cars. On the outside, he went wherever he had to go to, to get himself in that position. And I'm fine with Martin being upset about it. Just don't get on here and tell everybody that that's the reason that you lost the race, that you had the better car. You should have either found a way around him on the outside or just said, you know, I'm frustrated. I understand the frustration. You know, we've all been in that position that we would have liked to, a little bit of help, but there's nothing out there saying that you had, that anybody has to give you that help. Uh, now, 
it might come a time when those roles are reversed and Ricky Stenhouse uh, might be a little upset that he doesn't get the help that he's looking for in a situation very similar to that, and he might have wished that he'd have done something a little bit different. But, uh, hey, be upset. Uh, talk among your team all that you want to, but you know, I, I wouldn't have got on TV and said that. I just said that you know we couldn't get around there because of the package, the way the rules are now, uh, because of how difficult it is in closing up on that car and making happen what you need to. So we've all mentioned the rules, and I'm not ready to have the gavel hit the wood yet and decide what the you know what the real answer is because I think every <laughs> one track, race, man, one race, on. I know. You have to make your but mind one up. thing I do think is clear already is how are we ever going to see a time where restarts are more important? I mean, it, 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 I don't think it could have ever changed, but it seems like as these teams, as these drivers, as everyone, Brad Keselowski, it seemed very clear to me when they dropped the green, he knew that was his moment. Right? Like, like he drove, there was still 30-something laps to go in the race, but he drove like it was a green-white checker, right? He drove knowing that was his moment to capitalize. I think all the drivers are thinking that. If not, they're going to rewatch this race and definitely see it. Well, I, you heard Martin Truex Jr. talk about how hard it is to pass, and that means that when you have new tires, fresh tires, and you can get three wide with somebody, you better be doing it. And I think that that what we saw Sunday was I thought the restarts were crazy. I thought once it got spread out, it looked like a typical Atlanta race, but the restarts were more aggressive, and I think that's why. Because if you can get in front of a guy, it's going to be really hard for him to get back by you. I, I And I see that intensifying this coming week in Vegas. I think restarts will be more important. So, yeah, look right here. I mean, these are this is what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to be aggressive and push the issue because this is when you can make it happen. Yeah, and I think Brad ran back in there enough knowing that his car, because he, you know, it was only the last 100 laps of the race that this two car really showed up. Uh, and, and got himself in a position. And I think he knew, lap car or not, he was going to have a difficult time. So he knew he had to make it happen right at that point. If he was going to have any chance, I don't know if he knew that he had the chance to go past the 22 and the 1 at that time, but if he was going to have any shot and not use up any more of his car than what he did going around the outside there, then he had no shot. So I think more drivers are going to pay attention to that. Uh, I think strategy is going to become even more important. I think we're going to see cars uh, under green flag stops, crew chiefs, whoever's willing to hit there first, they're going to drag in a whole lot and making no mistakes. We've always talked about this, uh, giving yourself a chance, but when you make a mistake, it's going to be much more difficult to recover from that. And spotters, because if every restart's going to be three and four wide, it's Daytona <laughs> and Talladega every week. I'm going to want a guy on the roof that's taking care of me. Well, we know Brad went to victory lane, but he wasn't the only winner in our mind in Atlanta. After the break, we're going to take a look at some of the biggest winners from Sunday's race. We've been in this position before we were able to get the win here at Atlanta. Um, that's big. And, um, you know, there's just a lot to be learned still with um, this new rules package and how it's going to play out at some different racetracks. It's uh, still a lot to learn and uh, it gives us a great opportunity to, to maybe explore a little bit more. And, um, you know, as we saw some some different cars and how they ran today, um, I've got some ideas already, so we're excited about it. I got out of the car and I was like, how'd the two win? And they said that basically he caught that yellow and he was one one other guy didn't go a lap down. So, um, you know, I thought he had a car similar to what we had. He, we kind of ran around him a lot today and um, you just need a track position. I mean, as always, no different, but uh, seemed to be a little bit more of an advantage today. So I don't think today is a good judge. You don't really, I mean, it's kind of an odd race, seemed like, especially for us. We were kind of in and out of it all day, but uh, it's going to be, it's going to take a few weeks to really tell. I, I can't get a feel for it. You look at Fontana, uh, surface very similar to this bigger track but 
you know, there's, um, there's something to be said about the bumps, what we did to combat that, uh, what, we, what we were doing about clean air. So it was um, definitely something we'll, we'll apply towards Fontana and a little bit towards Vegas. Our run wasn't pretty. Um, you know, I knew our car had great speed, obviously from practices and things like that, qualifying. Um, you know, racing's a different beast, especially at Atlanta. Trying to figure out the right scenario for this is, is going to be interesting because you got to remember, this is a one-off race. I mean, there's no other track we go to anymore that's as slick as this and as hard on tires. So um, it'll be interesting to see again what uh, what Las Vegas brings. At times, it was a little, you know, I was getting frustrating at times because um, traffic was, was a big deal and track position was a huge deal as well. And, and um, racers, I hope you guys enjoyed at home because it was crazy. I, I love racers. Uh, at times I was screaming, screaming to myself on the helmet. So um, I felt like it was a it was a decent day for us. We have to uh, keep working hard and uh, build from this. It's just when you got loose, the car would correct itself, and it took away a lot of that exit fun. You know, I'm so used to horsepower, and these things choked down on the horsepower. It wasn't. Uh, as much of a challenge on corner exit. What is it like in the pack then, with that little less horsepower and, and with the arrow rules? It's pretty wild. It's yeah. it, you know, you gotta you gotta juke around, make right moves, and you don't want to kill your momentum. It was pretty wild. I think that's fair to say. With the every time I looked up and three and four wide. So we talked about Brad Kozlowski. Obviously went to victory lane, but he wasn't the other guy. I think Kurt Busch right there, third place run with Chip Ganassi Racing, back in a Chevrolet. I have to look at this team and think this was a win to run this well at Atlanta so early in the season. Okay, before I say how good a job he did, I want to say, Jeff, we might ought to get our uniforms and helmets back if we've got <laughs> self-correcting cars. <laughs> I was wondering. I've never wondering. had one of those. Yeah. Yeah, it was right there, man. It's yeah. supposed to do this again. No, Kurt Busch did a phenomenal job. I, I think the way he... Uh, this team has come out of the box that uh, says a lot of good things about them and what they're going to be able to do. And I really think that... This type of racing fits his style a lot. It's about momentum. We've talked about his brother Kyle that that in the Xfinity cars over the years, how momentum, uh, how good he is in keeping that. And I think Kurt does the same things. And I think that, that this is going to play into his strengths, and he showed that yesterday. I think Chip Ganassi racing has to be happy. I mean, the, the finish for Kyle Larson wasn't anywhere what they sh it should have been, but he led laps. Looked really good, so I think... Yeah, spat on pet road, right? Yeah, That's yeah. what hurt the 42. That's right. I think Chip Ganassi Racing has to be really happy with, the, with the, the performance that they had, the speed that they had. A lot of questions about these rule packages and what's going, who can be good and who can't, and I don't care what anybody says. No one knew yep. going down there who was good and who wasn't going to be good, and, and I think they have to be really, really excited about what they saw. Well, you mentioned Chip Ganassi Racing, and we heard from Chris, Bus Chris Busher right there, but JTG Doherty has to be ecstatic with the day that they had. Yeah. Had a decent February down in Daytona. You never know how downforce tracks are going to go. But at a moment there, 6th and 7th, 7th and 8th, we saw a lot of Chris Buescher and Ryan Priest up there running well. That technical agreement with Hendrick Motorsports, we're going to get to Hendrick Motorsports a few <laughs> segments later. They're carrying the, you know, the banner, basically, for Chevrolet and that Hendrick Motorsports agreement because they ran really well. Chris did great. And even Ryan Priest's wreck, it was a mistake, and it was definitely, you know, a, a lot went on him. But he ran well, and I like how he handled the wreck in the media. Well, and, and Ryan Priest had a good run at Daytona, and we talked a lot about him. He got interviewed a lot, but we, we all silently were saying, okay, what can he do on a, you know, on a mile and a right. half, okay? Any, you know, a lot of people can run well at Daytona but can't run well. Here you see his day end right here with the misfortune on pit road. You see him look down at the tack, looks up, boom, there, there's the wreck. But 
But the, the fact they came here at a very, very difficult mile and a half, I think it'll be easier for them to run well at Vegas than it will be at Atlanta. And I, when, I talked to, when I talked to him last week, when I talked to Priest last week, he was really optimistic. He said, man, our test of Vegas went well. I feel like I, I know how these cars need to drive. He felt really good about what they were going to do down there, and their runs proved it. And, and remember, they get engines from, from Hendrick, but they build their own chassis. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're building their own chassis. They, 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 they get engines from Hendricks. And, and, I mean, if you're Rick Hendrick right now, you got to be thinking, what the heck, man? Like, they're outrunning yeah. us with their own engines. we got to fix this. But I liked his interview. I mean, yeah. the accident on pit road, we could, we could spend a whole segment talking about that. But in the end, when it was time to speak up, he said, mistake, it's on me. I, I, I became a Ryan Priest fan yesterday, not just on the racetrack, but in the, in the interview after the accident. You know, I, I've said for a long time that this is a young man who has a lot of talent. And all of a sudden, he's been put in a position to showcase that talent uh, because this team is a better team this year with things that they've done, changes that they've made. Now they've got two young drivers that have a tremendous amount of talent and are getting the job done on the racetrack. That was very unfortunate what happened. Uh, you know, they'd set themselves up for another really, really good day. And I'm going to be interested to see how far they can carry this in as, as other teams start to figure these packages out a little bit more at the different tracks, and they're going to make some gains. Can this team continue to make gains and keep their drivers in the mix? Guys, I I tell you, the biggest winner in Atlanta, in my mind, is the racetrack and the fans. The forecast was not great. You were there. Saturday it was wet. Sunday turned out to be a beautiful day, a huge walk-up crowd. I mean, it's it's no secret that Atlanta has hurt in attendance the last few years. I thought the place looked great. More people in the stands than I had seen in recent years, and they got one heck of a race you mentioned on old tires, it was Atlanta. The best handling cars had an advantage. They drove off the front of the field, as they should. But every restart, I mean, how many drivers do we have to talk to? Crazy, wild. I mean, Daniel Suarez basically said he was screaming at himself in his helmet. I mean, this is what it looked like. Every restart, they were two and three wide. I think the fans got a great race. And see Kyle Larson sideways in the middle of the corner. That's, I think, when cars are by themselves and we don't have a lot of action. I think that's what fans want to see as well, as along with three wide. But I want to give the fans a shout-out for Saturday. The forecast for Saturday, it rained. They were racing in the rain, man. It rained all day, and the place wasn't full by any means, but I, a lot of people were there, and it was cool to see that on Saturday, come out to see the Xfinity race and the truck race, because if you looked at the forecast, there was no need to go to the racetrack, and they, they showed up. Well, and the first time, the doubleheader, right? Trucks and Xfinity on the same day. That's yep. a good package, I think, for yeah, the fans who come definitely. to the racetrack. Yeah, I think they got their money's worth down there. And the, the race, uh, the racing I enjoyed yesterday. I mean, as you said, there were races all over the, the, the racetrack for different positions. And as we well know, every point and uh, every position matters. And uh, I think the drivers uh, have some figuring out to do about exactly what it's going to take. And, and each track is going to be a little bit different. And, and that's the key. Like, I, I like the fact that Atlanta is one kind of race, and Vegas will be another kind of mm-hmm. race, and then California will be another kind of race, and Phoenix will be another. That's what this racing has always been about, is variety. If all the races look the same, why go to any particular race? The fact that they're all different, I think, makes, makes this sport unique from every other sport. The track itself. In football, you play on the same field, you play different opponents. In baseball, you play on the same field, different opponents. Basketball, same field, different opponents. Our sport, you race on different racetracks, and you compete against the same component, same opponents. It's a different way of doing it, and the fact that every race is different makes it special, in my opinion. That's what 
That's how you crown a champion, is you have to get there by being good on a lot of different racetracks. And I love the fact that every race is different. And I love what the drivers did, right? There's a lot of easy ways to kind of point fingers and place blame. And in the end, they all showed up, every team. They put their helmets on, and they put on a show, right? Whatever yeah. it took to go to the front, they did it. And it was an exciting race. But up next, why was a sick Brad Kozlowski in the right place at the right time to get that win, the most important win, winningest driver in Penske history? I think we've seen drivers with torn ACLs and uh, broken fingers and wrists and things like that. Uh, you know, I, I had a race once with a broken ankle. Uh, and that's just, it's always going to be a little bit of it. No, I don't think you're ever going to see guys taping their eyeballs open again. Um, although I do think that was pretty cool. So after 500 miles at Atlanta Motor Speedway, Brad Kozlowski takes a well-deserved break and yeah. thankfully, it's in victory lane. How in the world did you do that after being sick and having to go through what you did today? Yeah, just a, a, a complete perseverance day for sure. We had some problems on pit road. I think we broke a jack at one point. Got the brain on the nose and overheated. Uh, caught the lucky dog, I think, with 40 to go. And then just the, the team had the, the auto trader Ford Mustang trimmed, and we were able to just drive to the front. You had the lead at the end. You led the one time for the 33 laps at the end there, Brad. What was the car like in terms of driving in the pack at the front? for this, I'll call it the new rules package. It's not the entire yeah. year, but for what you drove today, what was it like? Uh, really good when you're leading. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they tend to be really good when you're leading, but uh, yeah, the cars are still a little bit of a handful, not quite as hard as they were to, to, to drive last year, but you have to be really, really strategic about how you're running around traffic and all that, and uh, just really think everything through. When you make a move or when someone makes a move on you, is it harder to recover? Uh, yeah, yes and no. It's, uh, you know, it's, there's a recovery period of some sort, but, uh, you know, it, it's still going to come down to some of the same basic things. There's a green flag, there's a white flag, there's a strike flag, it's a race. Um, and, and for me, it's a, being able to work the traffic and be able to manage the car when it's loose, being able to manage the car when it's tight, being able to manage the, the team when you might have something not go your way. Those are going to be the keys to winning day in and day out in NASCAR, no matter what the rules package is. In Atlanta, it's been good to you now. Two wins at this place that is so tough to handle. What do you think of that? Yeah, the, the last three years this year included, uh, you know, first, second, first, uh, it, it feels a little bit like a dream, Dave. It must be a dream because a couple days ago, it did not look like he'd even be able to race. And Brad Keselowski now comes home in victory lane at Atlanta. Well, and I want to, like, listen, not only the flu behind the wheel, but then stays around and gives all the media yeah. after. That's always great. But, guys, listen, we spent... I don't know how long this morning on a text train going through <laughs> that moment that Brad talked about when he got the lucky dog, also known as the free pass. And this is complicated, but in, in our mind, this is the moment that changed the whole complexity for the two of Brad Kozlowski. So I think we need to kind of go through first the rules of how it works. So the cars get lined up this way, DJ. So the lead lap cars and the lap down cars, that free pass, also known as the lucky dog, then wave around a penalty. That's how they set up for a restart. Yeah, these are the rules. This is how it goes. So in this case, we only had two lead lap cars. We had like four one lap down cars. And then we started uh, with the free pass, which was Brad. So he's going to line up uh, there in the fourth row on the inside. All of those wave arounds then uh, come from that point on. And then if there's any penalties, they line up at the end. Yeah, so then we look at the footage, the way they lined up. This is exactly how it lined up. It looks very confusing. That's why we want to take just a minute yeah. and show you the front row right here. Kurt Busch, Joey Logano, they were on the racetrack when the caution came out. So they were on the lead lap, and they were the two leaders. Yeah, and then if you look back, don't look at the next row or the third row. Their lap's down. Brad Kozlowski is the third-place car all the way back there in row four. Welcome to uh, what happens when a caution comes out during pit stops, DJ. And then you have cars <laughs> around Brad. 
who are racing against Brad. Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr. Yeah, so you got all of these guys who are, had either been on pit road and had a couple of laps on their tires. But what happened here, Brad was able to get in come back in the pits because of the free pass and get tires. So that was the benefit for him in this respect. So let's walk everyone through it and let's go back to 57 laps to go. This is green flag conditions. This is what everybody remembers. Ryan Blady leading the race. Truex, Kozlowski, Logano, Harvick, your top five. At this point, Jeff, it was pretty simple, but we knew pit stops were coming and it started with green flag pit stops and probably no surprise, but Brad Kozlowski, the first to, first to hit pit road. And nothing shakes up the field like a caution right in the middle of green flag stop. <laughs> so here he is on pit road. Kevin Harvick on pit road. This is all with 55 laps to go. The caution has not come out yet. Okay, so now that everybody's still on the green. Yeah, so it's looking really good. Two laps later, here comes Ryan Blaney and the 70, or excuse me, the 19 of Martin Trek Jr. And while they're on pit road, that's when everything changes. They hand the lead to Joey Logano. Yeah, so Logano's still on the racetrack, as Kurt Busch would have stayed on the racetrack also. And so as Blaney comes in and, and is going to service his car, that's when things start to happen on pit road. You see Blaney just getting into his pit here as Ryan Priest gets into the 52, and this creates a lot of problems for everybody. Well, and if that wasn't problem enough for Ryan Blaney, DJ, what, what, uh, what happens here? Well, Blaney did look like he did a perfect job of sliding just inches short of his line, but he, apparently he's being told, we're going to get into this in the next segment a little bit more. But you can see him back up, goes off the jack, and just takes any chance they've got away from uh, being able to win this race. Okay, so here you go. The caution is out. So here's a nine car on pit road. There's the leader, Joey Legato, that traps the nine car a lap down. Then further down pit road, the 19 car, Martin Truex Jr., here he is. He's coming out of the pits. The 22 beats him off pit road. That traps him one lap down. All right, you ready for a headache? Here you go. The free pass is decided instantaneously the moment the yellow comes out. When the yellow came out, the two was the first car one lap down. After that, under yellow, you just showed it. The nine loses a lap, the 19 loses a lap. That doesn't matter. The free pass was already awarded to Brad Kozlowski. 10 seconds either way, he would not have got the free pass. Because of that free pass, he pits, he takes tires, he lines up. You see this right there on the graphic in front of the wave round cars. That puts him in position. So now, guys, I think the most important thing, let's go back. Let's show you the restart. We showed it at the beginning. Take us back again, right here. The front two cars are lead lap. Brad Kozlowski, that Aaron, orange and blue number two, making things happen. Yeah, here he is making the move. And we said it trapped the 19 lap down. That actually kept him from being the leader. He actually was on the lead lap. But you can see here's the 19. He just cannot get through traffic the way that Brad Keselowski in the two car. Here the 19 has a decision to make. He goes to the bottom. It doesn't work out for him. Brad Keselowski, he's on the outside digging. This is it right here. Three wide on the outside of turn three. They haven't completed a lap yet. And here's Brad Keselowski coming off turn four with a chance to be racing for the lead. So the restart's impressive, DJ, but the turning point, the moment in which the pay window opened was that entire cycle of green flag pit stops when the caution came out. I want to call it a good strategy. I want to call it a little bit lucky. It was a little bit of both in the end. Brad Keselowski and Paul Wolf pitted at the right time, That's got the caution at the right time, took advantage of being the free pass, and then capitalized on the restarts. We're going to talk about this every week. The turning point isn't always just a pass for the lead. Sometimes it's a pit strategy. Daytona, it was Hamlin early in the race. Well, here at Atlanta, it is, I'm going to call it chaos, scoring chaos and green flag pit stops. Yeah, and you just think about it. You know, you have to, as a driver, 
Yeah, and Jeff, we both had crew chiefs that put us in position to, to go win races and make those calls and be willing to do that. And Paul Wolf is that person. He brought everybody down. He was the first one to make this move. If he waits a lap later, he's probably not going to be in that position because Kevin Harvick's probably going to be in that spot uh, at that point in time because of how much tires mean in just a lap. So uh, you have to applaud. They started the process right then, and then it carried forward to everything working in their favor. But then, Brad Keselowski, I mean, you talk about that restart. Everybody talked about they want to be on the inside all day long. Brad knew that he had to make a move. He couldn't just sit there uh, behind those uh, cars that were one lap down because they were racing each other too. If we have a caution, which could happen easily, uh, those guys are racing for the free pass to see who's going to get back on the lead lap. But Brad made it happen by all uh, taking it into his hands and going all the way to the top of the track. So what I want to know is a race car driver. Do you want to know all of that, or do you just want to know the task at hand when the greets start? You know, if I'm your crew chief, how much of that do you want to know, or do you just want to know who you're racing? I want to know what the, what the situation is in front of me. So I will, if I was Brad Keselowski, I would have wanted to know that the two leaders are on the lead lap. The four cars in front of you, they are one lap down. I would have wanted to know that because I know now how they're going to race me. Now, you, you, heard, you, heard, you, know, you heard Truex say that he got raced harder than he wanted to get raced by a lap car, but all that matters. How we got there, I don't care. Like, I don't need you to break down to me how we got in this position. I just need you to think, help move me forward, understand what the strategy is. Clearly, you always want to pass all the cars that are in front of you, but what, are they, what do they have for tires? When was the last time they were on pit road? Who's a lap down? Who's not a lap down? We used to have this all the time yeah. before the current rules. You could, I mean, it was crazy how oh, the, yeah. the field would get mixed up. And you really need to understand who you're racing and what their situation is because they're going to race you a certain way. And you have to find the leader. I mean, the, the nine, it's easy to say on Monday. But, you know, it hurt them only taking two to try to save a lap where they were already a lap down. But that happens in such a blink of an eye. Alan Gustafson obviously rolling the dice it wasn't quite that way. It also matters where you pin on pit road before start finish. There are so many details that go into it. But in the end, three and a half hours, 500 miles, and who had a chance to win came down to basically a 20-second window of when the caution came out. So it's some crazy stuff. But up next, we'll tell you how Ryan Blaney really just missed out on a world record this weekend. This show is all about the fans calling in. Are y'all ready to take our Let's first call? Yeah, let's do let's it. Let's do it. If I get eliminated, do I have to give my sponsor back money? Well, see, I don't know how the contracts go, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you, that's how they go. I've been a NASCAR fan for 31 years. I don't think I've missed one race ever. That voice is a sound for sore yeah. ears. Joe Gibbs dumped Joey Logano first. I'm just adding some fuel here. Thanks for calling, man. The guy from Maine, he needs to use his head for something besides a hat rack. You're awesome. I don't, I Thank don't you for agreeing with me, Steve. You're my man. Well, Rex, that's a that's a That's a, that's a good question. job. He's your guy, and you're pulling against him. Way to go, Rex. Okay, we're hanging up right now. We're hanging up. I mean, I, I'm not even sure what to say other than it's can't miss. And this is basically what the week looks like. Splash and go. Tomorrow, NBCSports.com. We have Kyle Larson, man, if you motor mouse. I mean, Burton, how can you not tune in for that? So I saw you on the set with Kyle Petty answering questions. You just should leave the set. Yeah, 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 that's right. Kyle and off to the fans. Yeah, and then on Thursday, special guest Ryan Blaney, 4 p.m. on the Dale Jr. Download, then the Motorsports Hour on Thursday at 5. Special guest, IMSA driver, Joe Barbarsa. So, DJ, you teased it. We were going to talk about what happened to Ryan Blaney during that green flag pit stop, but we have a little bit of uh, a replay here that's worth taking a look at. Yeah. 
So it looked like Ryan Blaney had done everything right as the leader of the race. He made a really good entrance to Pitt Road. He came, it looked like that he made the perfect stop there yeah. and then started getting information that he was over the line, needed to back up, uh, which is what he was told. And uh, as he did that, he was already on the jack. So very unfortunate. They, they didn't look very good in practice on Saturday, made some really good adjustments to this race car and put their driver in a position but we talk about it week in and week out. You just cannot make these type of mistakes if you're wanting to win one of these races. Well, and this communication chain has to be defined. Uh, we saw two pit crew members' hands in the air. They were waving around. I, I mean, listen, if the house isn't on fire, don't come running out screaming yeah. telling me it's not on fire. Right? I, I don't need that much animation. In the end, how I always handled it was the front tire changer. It was his responsibility before he takes those lug nuts off to just peek over and make sure. He has the best look at the nose of the car. Right. And he would look over, and if he went back to work, that was it. And if he would look over and he looked up at me as a crew chief, it was very clear that I needed to tell the driver, or he can just look at the driver and if, give him a point back. If you're Jeremy Bullins right here and you look down and you see two guys making lots of hand gestures, you have to assume you're over the line. Yeah, right? exactly. You, I mean, like, let's, let's don't, we don't have to make a big noise that everything is okay. And, and that's, just, that's just communication. And it shows you how every part of the team matters. It shows you that there's no one just sitting on the sidelines. There's no one that's job doesn't matter. It shows you that, you know, everybody has to lean on each other. And this is something that not only will Penske learn from, but the entire garage will watch that tape and say, look, you know, if this is your role, I don't need to hear from you unless I need to hear from you. And DJ, unfortunately for Ryan Blaney, it wasn't just a pit stop. He started the day in Atlanta trying to break a world record, a world record for selfies. He came up seven short. Burton, it looks like he's a little slow on yeah, the takeoff. So on, the, on the start here, he just, let's break this down, DJ. On the start, he just doesn't have a good rhythm, right? He's, yeah. he's a little choppy. He's trying to do it well, but as it goes on, he gets a little quicker, gets a little better. Yeah, and it doesn't look like everybody helped him out quite as much there at the start. It was like that, hey, they just wanted to be a part of it, not really realizing what he was after there, but uh, got to be a little more aggressive, just like the restarts on the track. And hey, listen, I, I would require, we got to have the same height. We can't have short, tall, <laughs> short, tall. I mean, if we're going to break a world record, we got to get lined up. <laughs> Sounds like way too much to be doing before a race. Now, I'm a crew chief. I overanalyze everything. Well, coming up, we're going to talk about the disappointing day for Hendrick Motorsports. We talked about the winners. Well, they all can't be winners. We're going to talk about who had a disappointing day next. Outside, outside, clear to the grass. Oh. Left front kill, guys. Oh. Rubbing the fender. Was looking at the tack. Copy that. Uh. Slow down a little bit here. Okay, this comes apart. Might be able to fix it a little bit from what we got. But don't clear that fender. Oil pressure, we must have killed the radiator. The oil. Yeah, there's a line coming line. We're done, you're right. Push behind the wall here, guys. Well, guys, that was a rough ending to what was a good day for Ryan Priest and JTG. We kind of lumped those guys in, even with the rough ending in the winner category. Unfortunately, that means someone has to go in the other category, 
And in my mind, it was clear we were all expecting more out of Hendrick Motorsports after a pretty solid start down in Daytona. That momentum did not continue to Atlanta. No, not at all. Uh, just like they didn't give their drivers what they were needing on the racetrack. Uh, I mean, when you have your top finisher being 15th, uh, doesn't say much. I mean, their top stage finish was 14th in the first stage by uh, the nine car of Chase Elliott. So uh, they just... It didn't seem like that they could be as aggressive with their cars uh, as what some of the other guys. So I don't know if they had them trimmed out. I can't really say they showed the speed that much. So uh, just missed it and a lot of work to do here. Well, I'm going to tell you You brought up average running position on the call today. I mean, I mean, barely inside the top 15 is the best car. Jimmy Johnson outside the top 20. So right now at Henry Motorsports, you know, we've heard several drivers say, you know, during the show today that Atlanta is a very unique racetrack and it's, you're only going to run this one time. Well, that's what they're hoping and praying. I'd be hanging my hat on that. I mean, right now, that's what they're hoping that is right. And if they go to, they have to go to Vegas and perform. I mean, if they don't go to, to Vegas and perform, uh, how do you catch up? You know, how do you catch up? So, you know, it's hard to imagine that the pressure is on, but I think the pressure is on big time. For a oh. company that we're accustomed to seeing, contend for championships, win championships, dominate really a decade, in my opinion, two decades, dominate the sport to be running the way they ran last year and, and this year and the year before. I'm telling you, man, it's pressure time, big time right now in Hanger Motorsports. Well, I saw, I saw a little bit of bounce back out of Rush Fenway on qualifying day. It didn't quite transfer to the race, but some improvement, right? So we see JTG, who has Hendrick Technology, up there running up front, so I don't know if you can blame that. Then you have Chip Ganassi Racing, who are in a Chevrolet up front. So I'm trying to look at what stone to overturn. Last year, I think there was a few, I don't want to call it excuses, but buckets we could look in. DJ, I'm running out of buckets to look in. I'm not sure what the answer is. Yeah, you know, it's hard to say. Uh, whenever, you know, we're one race in here, but that was an important race. And the good thing is, as you pointed out, Jeff, there's not another track like this. So uh, hopefully some grip, which Las Vegas will have, will be much more friendly to this organization. They're, they're going to have to have it. I mean, this, the Hendrick Motorsports, uh, you just they, the, the bar is set here. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not here. And, and Hendrick Motorsports is about excellence. You were part of it for yeah. years. Yeah. It's about excellence. It's about controlling tempo. It's about setting the pace, winning championships. It can't run the way they ran on Saturday. Hey, the glimmer so, of hope I'm going to get them? You don't have to be good all year. If you can figure it out by the summer, yes. have a great summer, sure, get in sure. the playoffs hot, you can win a championship. So listen, one I'm race. not going to question the rules in one race. I'm not going to condemn right. an organization in one race. Well, guys, coming up after the break, we're going to get some shout-outs. So stay right here. Wednesday night hockey, guys. Doubleheader this weekend. The 7.30 game, we have the league's best lightning in the Big Apple to take on the Rangers. And then at 10, the Blackhawks and the Ducks. Can the Blackhawks make the playoffs? Hey there, my name's Jeremy Ogles. Uh, I'm the tire carrier on the uh, number two Auto Trader Ford Mustang. Today was uh, kind of one of those days, it's a you know kind of battle of attrition. Going from the back to the front, had some you know issues on pit road with a, a jack breaking, and just trying to get the kinks worked out still from uh, just early in the season. But I uh, just really like how our, our team stayed together and um, put Brad in the best position to use the fast car the guys built at the shop and just drive around the top for the most part and just take us to the win and hold on there at the end. It was a great day. Guys, I think we all take for granted the work that gets done on pit road. The men and women that jump over that pit wall, in my mind, they're all all-stars. We saw a couple cars spin in Atlanta. And we also want to take a minute and recognize Anthony Pasit, the gas man for the 37 car. He sustains multiple injuries down on his leg. 
as a result of one of those cars spinning. What those men and women do, I went over the wall. Fortunately for me, when I got hit, I went over the top and didn't get hurt. But these cars are heavy. I think we all, it just happens so effortlessly, so often. They're all all-stars in my mind to jump out on pit road. Yeah, it's just incredible. I mean, the athletes they are and the things that they do in a short amount of time, they're so good at what they do. And sometimes we forget about just how dangerous it really is jumping out there uh, with these heavy stock cars. What other sport do you jump out in front of a vehicle who's running 60 mile an hour, you know, that weighs 3,200 pounds? You know, these guys are real, they're they're athletic, they're athletes, they train like athletes, but their bravery level is I'll put against anybody in any sport, anytime. Drivers get a lot of praise for being brave. Let me tell you something. Yeah. We're in a, we're in a car with a cage around us. Mm-hmm. Those guys are out there by themselves. They are extremely brave. So tough. we yeah. wish Anthony a quick recovery. But, guys, sure. it's to the end of the show. It's that time for shout-outs. All right, DJ, I'm going to give you the floor. What's your shout-out? Oh, it's got to go to the man, Brad Kay, for so many reasons. I mean, everything about the weekend uh, was just great. But – This man sucked it up and did what he had to do to drive 500 tough miles at Atlanta and get the win. Yeah, and that win ended up being valuable at Team Penske, basically surpassing Mark Donahue, now being the winningest driver in Team Penske history. I want to see the helmet. He says he has a special helmet (laughs) coming this week to celebrate that. But anytime you can get your name alongside Mark Donahue in the record Mm -hmm. books, that's that's a great thing. Huge day for Penske. Uh, to be able to celebrate the past, but also celebrate what's going on uh, in their in, in their team. Just a huge day. Yeah, Roger Penske going into the NASCAR Hall of Fame this winter. Uh, I mean, it's definitely a big year. And I'm going to tell you what, guys. Paul Wolf and Brad Kozlowski, they're a dangerous duo with a lot of <laughs> unknowns to get that win. What did Paul already say? I'm already thinking about some stuff to yeah. try. I think we need to keep an eye on them. They're the type of team that will take this win on into the summer. I could see them racking up wins with the pressure off. Yeah, and I think, you know, we talk about Brad. He's won a lot of Xfinity races over the years. These cars are closer to that type now uh, with the less horsepower and, and the more downforce. So look for Brad to be in the mix a lot. Look for them to be extremely aggressive in earning stage points, stage wins, all those things they can use throughout the playoffs. Watch this team because they don't mind getting aggressive on strategy. <laughs> and you don't mind driving it hard either. Well, that's going to do it here from charlotte just a reminder that the dale jr download will be this thursday at four instead of five and the nhl top 10 starts right now this father's day the home depot has same day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be because your dad is more than just a dad he's groundskeeper of the yard the perfecter of the patio and the cleaner of the clippings Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.